0: welcome everyone to pop cult x episode 43 we're back once again gabriel and danny bringing you all the talk and news pop culture from a gen x perspective so uh let's go ahead and get started i know i'm already heated so um, why don't we go ahead and jump into it i you the on seen twitter gabe.
1: yeah gabe was uh, before we started hit recording he was getting warmed up and something in the yeah. corner you know
0: I'm already sweating from from (laughs) anger. Uh, So the first thing that kind of caught my attention on on Twitter today that I thought we for sure need to talk about is Tammy Newton sort of went off on Sean Penn, which I thought, oh, that's odd because they're both successful actors and she doesn't seem to be a controversial figure. You know, I I never Mm -hmm. really see her in the news outside of her being an amazing actress. So she kind of said that he was rambling and, and being a kind of an idiot. Uh, and so I looked up the the article that she referenced and it's an article from Variety saying um, that Sean Penn is quoted as having saying that men have become quite feminized and cowardly. Um, and, and uh, he I'm pulling up the quote here that men have become quite feminized. Um, He says in this article um, that he's in the club that believes that men in American culture have become wildly feminized. I don't think that being a brute or having insensitivity or disrespect for women is anything to do with masculinity or ever did. But I don't think that in order to be fair to women, we should become them. So this is... I think quite a controversial statement coming from someone who is really well known as being a volatile sort of toxic man. Mm -hmm. He famously, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether or not we accept it as fact or fiction, but, uh, you know, famously abused his wife Madonna at the time Mm -hmm. when they were young and married. Um, He was, uh, I think, uh, charged with, you know, possibly even trying to kill a paparazzi when they were making Shanghai Surprise. And um, has is kind of known for having a hot temper and and yeah. being very physical with his emotions. And so it's interesting that someone who has that reputation and, and that precedes him would say that, oh, you know, men in America are just become a bunch of sissies and acting like women. I'm curious because <laughs> it doesn't really go into in-depth uh, of um, what he means by, you know, in order to respect them, we don't have to become them. Um, because I, I I'm curious as to what traits – he's talking about or what, what examples he could cite. Um, certainly if you look at pop culture right now, you see people like, um, little Nas X, you know, dressing in, you know, maybe provocative clothing or clothing that has been traditionally assigned to female gender, um, or, um, Billy Porter wearing dresses and again, wearing clothes that has been traditionally assigned to, Mm uh, to women, um, I don't know if he meant literally putting on a dress or if he's speaking in metaphor. Well, or, you know.
1: So I'm just going to stop here. The yeah. Independent, where this originally appeared, um, the quote came from, they asked him to clarify those comments. Mm-hmm. And he said, I think that men have, in my view, become quite feminized. I have these very strong women in my life who do not take masculinity as a sign of oppression toward them. There are a lot of, I think, cowardly genes, like DNA genes, that lead to people surrendering their genes, like blue jeans, and putting on a skirt. So that's what's
0: like. Can he be any more vague? Like, like (laughs) what? what, So what is what is his his the women in his life? So when his if you were to ask his daughter who he was doing this press tour with, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. what what are the masculine traits that your dad has that that are not threatening to you as a strong woman? Well, is it you know, that he's protective, that's not a, a, a man or female trait. Right. That's a trait right. of a parent that would be protective mm-hmm. of their child. Um, is it a provider? Her mom is Robin Wright Penn or, you know, Robin right. Wright. So a successful actress in her own right. So she can, you know, uh, uh, provide for her daughter as well. Mm-hmm. She's not dependent on Sean Penn. Um, what I mean, what other traditional um, roles or values are you um, – saying are masculine that and that's why right. i'm saying like please elaborate what do you mean by masculinity is it the aggression that you famously <laughs> like to express is it punching right. walls is it punching you know hitting your wife with a baseball bat like he supposedly did to madonna um i'm curious like let us know like if you're going to say something that's controversial like that and be so disappointed in american men then show us what are the examples Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I looked on Twitter and there's a lot of, you know, young guys that are supporting him and saying like, oh, he he hit the nail on the head. He's he's right. Like, uh, you know, uh, masculinity or malehood is under attack. And I'm always curious what how they mean by that, because they never truly cite examples. So who you know, the the president is a man. So one of the most powerful positions in the world is a man. Women Mm -hmm. still get paid you know uh more often than not more than their female counterparts so they're still making more money Um uh, you could argue that in traditional households men still hold like, the sort of position of power that they it's a you know we live in a patriarchal society so you know women do allow men to kind of be the dominant one in the household somewhat sometimes especially um in it you know you could say that in a negative way uh in religion men mm-hmm. still hold power the pope you know mm-hmm. pastors uh, you know, you don't see a lot of people or women in in power. Um, you know, I think the whole transgender issue is is a hot topic right now, but you don't really see any trans people be replacing anyone in in positions right. of power. Unfortunately, um, you know, so where are all these examples of like men having to step down or becoming women? Like they still have all the power. Straight white men still have all the power. So, oh, yeah. What Definitely the fuck not. are you talking about? Like, give us examples.
2: <laughs> and, and the other
0: thing that I find kind of funny is that like, oh, here's this tough guy, Sean Penn, the actor, really like your life of acting, of pretending to be other people on film, you're, you're the, the you know, example of masculinity. Like, mm. should we hold you up as an example when you were playing pretend as a, you know, surfer in Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Like, is, is that masculine, um, you know, playing pretend? Because some could certainly argue that that's not a masculine role, that you know, maybe you should do something more physical, like being a lumberjack or a fucking fireman or something. But yet you've built your whole career on playing pretend. So what, what are you talking about, Sean?
1: <laughs> I think we, the whole subject should be, what are you talking about, Sean? Exactly. Yeah.
0: What it's, the hell are you talking about, Sean Penn? I,
1: I mean, I was trying to come up with some way like you said people on twitter were defending him and he yeah. had, I was trying to think of how could I spin this to a defensible topic and it's i guess it came down to this is Sean who the fuds asked you about it anyways what does it matter what people were wearing how does it affect you in any way yeah. shape or form Let people be who they want to be. It doesn't matter what gender roles you feel are needed to be um, separated. Who cares? Let people live their lives and let them enjoy how they want to. And that's just what I couldn't escape that thought. It was just like, you know, what What does it matter to you? If the world is that bringing you down because you see a man wearing a skirt or a dress or something, then you know what? Go to the mountains Go, like Gabe said, go put on a flannel shirt, go chop down a tree and stay
0: up there. Well, let, and, and let's take a look at what he's promoting right now. He's promoting a movie that he directed. Mm-hmm. So he is in the position of power, mm-hmm. you know, as a straight white man. And he mm-hmm. also hired his daughter to be in the movie. And son. So Yeah. So he is mm-hmm. also um, expressing, you know, or or taking advantage of his power within the industry to hire mm-hmm. his daughter. So where is the oppression? <laughs> did did he have to hire a, a trans man, you know, a woman to take the role right. of his daughter? Exactly. His, was he forced to place a female director in his? Like, where? Where are these examples? I mean, if, if you want to say, like, you know, one of the pop culture references that I mentioned earlier is Little Nas X. Little Nas X is so this, the smallest representation of a queer artist within the hip hop community, you can't even say that it's being overtaken or, right. you know, rappers these days, like that's a, a very popular sentiment on, on Twitter is like, Oh, rappers these days are wearing dresses and wearing makeup. One, one rapper is doing that. <laughs> <laughs> like, where, where are the other examples? Like, And, and you know, and Oh, well, Tupac it would, would roll over in his grave. If, you know, if he saw that that's how hip hop is. And it's like, Oh, you know, the Tupac that was accused of, you know, doing uh, egregious acts, you know, being misogynistic and sexist and homophobic. And that's the role model of masculinity. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, really, we we have we have great examples of what it means to be a man. And it's not Sean Penn. It's not, right. you know, people that are are aggressive and violent and, you mm-hmm. know, chauvinistic. Um, and and are still you know masculine if you want to call it that. but you know if 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 you have a role model that, You know, literally wears a skirt. You don't give a fuck what they're wearing because they're providing to you love. They're providing security to you, uh, acceptance, whatever. It's just, it's such a weird. The only thing that I have hope for this whole caught top of this situation is the article does mention that while he was like pontificating on masculinity and and gender roles, his daughter was like sort of just like Uh, out of focus and just like kind of staring into the sky, like, here goes my dad again. And so. (laughs) I'm glad that maybe she thinks he's full of shit and, you know, that attitude dies with him. Uh, It just, I was, I obviously in support of Tandy Newton calling him out. Um, I think she is getting a bit of grief. You know, people are, are, you know, tweeting back at her saying um, that he is in the right, but I fully support her statement that he is a gibbering fool and um i I love she she says in her tweet to him motherfucker used to be sexy but now you're just tragic and and i that's perfect i think that should be the end of that topic is just that should
1: be the end of that right there that
0: that she she hit the nail on the head right there
1: very nice very nice yeah (laughs) well another um (laughs) let's segue into a more heated um topic why not yeah let's
0: keep it going let's keep it
1: going (laughs) whoopi (laughs) goldberg on the view heard about that
0: yeah so that that's another one that people are up in arms you know whether it be valid or you know uh, hyperbole or or you know true or not or if it's the media spinning this but um you know i think you have the article pulled up if you want to share with our audience but basically on the view which of whoopi goldberg is the leading host mm-hmm. um they were talking about mouse which is a uh comic graphic novel that depicts uh, the holocaust like or, yeah. yeah that that you know has the themes of of the holocaust and basically portrays what happened and so they were talking about the topic of it being pulled from from schools and from libraries because people saying that it's inappropriate for young people, which is a topic, you know, a hot topic all in its own. But in response to that, she started rambling, you know, as they do on The View. And um, I think you might have it queued up of what she says, if you want to share. Uh,
1: Well, what I have here, what it says in the AP article is that she, while talking about this after the discussion about the Tennessee school board banning mouse, she said that it wasn't about race. It's about man's inhumanity. To other man. Now, when I first heard of the controversy, I thought, oh, wow, what what happened here? How is she being anti-Semitic? And then I read this article today. This is the first time I saw this because I, I looked a little bit deeper when you mentioned it. And that statement to me, it I, I mean, I can see how um, Jewish scholars and whatnot could be upset about that, especially Because you know the Holocaust is really a hot topic right now, especially with all the the different banning of the books, and Mm -hmm. even with like the different Nazi protesters that are out in like Orlando or in Canada, and that just make me want to throw up when I see the video of that. Yeah, it's it's so I can see how they can be a little on edge, especially when coming from someone uh, in a position like her. But that topic and that sentence, if you just step back and look at it, it really isn't. That I think controversial.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it all depends upon how you define um Jewish people. Are they a race, which you have your thoughts on while I'll let you get to right now? Yeah. Or is it a religion? Um, Nazism defined it uh, they didn't care. If you were Jewish, whether you're people secular or religious, you were Jewish and we're gonna kill you.
2: Right.
1: So it's it's um it's a little, I mean, she did go on and apologize. She issued a further clear uh, statement, I guess. It says, my words upset so many people, which was never my intention, she said. She said, I understand why now. And for that, I'm deeply, deeply grateful because the information I got was really helpful and helped me understand some different things. So yeah. she took it as a, a learning moment
2: mm-hmm.
1: and took it as a way to um, educate herself about, I guess, the sensitive, sensitivity around that topic right now. So yeah. I'm glad that she did that and she was able to issue that statement unlike other people who will never admit any sort of error or will never admit they, they learned or that they can, you know, right. better themselves. So yeah. that's good to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me as a, you know, Hispanic person, you know, Latinx person, Latino, whatever you want to call me, just as I mentioned the like three different names that you can use for my ethnic group, um, I never thought that. My understanding of race is that Jewish people belong to an ethnic group. They are mm-hmm. under the umbrella of Caucasian, mm-hmm. just as mm-hmm. Hispanics are actually right. um, mm-hmm. in, under racial designation, but within their individual ethnic groups, you know, you have Jewish people, you have Hispanics, Italians, Portuguese, et cetera, but they're all Caucasian. They're all white. We know that racist people or people that are prejudiced don't care about the race, <laughs> that it's the ethnic group, that, that right. small little differences that make us supposedly you know, um, vastly different. Uh, I don't agree with that. You know, what's the difference between a Portuguese person and a Mexican person from Arizona? I don't see it. I don't know what the big deal is, but racist people see it, right? Uh yeah. So that's taking out that definition of of her saying, you know, it wasn't racism; it was humanity being horrible against another. You know, humans against humans. Is that that incorrect? No. Like it, it, the Holocaust was a crime against humanity. Yeah. That was committed by human beings that Mm -hmm. exemplify us at our worst, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they will go down as an example of humans at their worst, their worst behavior, their most Mm -hmm. evil. You know, most people don't argue that. Of course there are racist people that are ignorant and, and and just assholes that will argue that point. But Whoopi Goldberg wasn't arguing that point. Um, I don't see that her statement or her intent was to diminish what they went through. Um, and I think that people are now holding her accountable to, you know, the, the, her m- maybe misuse of wording. Um, you know, I, I would even argue that maybe she, according to definition was not incorrect, but maybe like she said, she was insensitive towards other people's feelings and she apologizes for that. So I feel like it's sort of like a dead issue at this point. Like, I mean, like you, I saw, the headlines, and uh, it w- it would be Goldberg's an anti-Semitic, and I thought, oh God, like how is that possible? Right, I mean right. one, I want to even say that she's a practicing Jew. So That's there's that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> racially, she's black, but religiously, she might be Jewish. I, uh, we can look at that or or you know, maybe um check on that later. But I want to say that she is. Um and she did not have an intent to undermine, minimize the experience of people who experienced the Holocaust, the families who survived, the people who have, you know, whole family lines that were were killed. Obviously, that wasn't her intent. So I am curious, you know, in this day and age with media and Twitter and how that one sentence just blew up. And I I think that what's unfortunate about about what happens is that we're part of that because, you know, just like Sean Penn, I was heated and I wanted to share my opinion. You know, people wanting to share their opinion then becomes like the news story itself. Then it's like, okay, well, what does the, you know, Brooklyn Jewish, you know, people of Upper West Side, like it just like everyone has their own little, group that they belong to and wants to share their opinion and be the expert on, on, you know, the Jewish experience. But I mean, you as a Jewish person may not share the same opinion as, you know, uh, you know, the, the group that you share, uh, you spoke of, of what their opinion was on the, on the matter. So it's like, sometimes I wonder why those groups make blanket statements like that, because they obviously <laughs> can't speak for the whole group of people some people mm-hmm. will find offensive some people won't um and and like you said there are people that are actually like nazis protesting and and i haven't seen that in the media but right, i have seen exactly. this whoopi goldberg thing so right, are right. you picking the wrong battle are you are right. you calling whoopi goldberg out who is in all intents and purposes probably an ally mm-hmm. and you're focusing the media your your you know Directing the limelight to her and trying to make an example out of her, and the true bad people are not getting any attention at all. Right, and and so it's like pick your battle. Like who are you really wanting to destroy here? Like Whoopi Goldberg is not the real problem. No, you know, and right. I don't know, yeah. and and I, you know, I would hope that it is a, a political commentary. So you know, pop culture show the view. Like maybe if you were a leader within the Jewish community say, you know, here's what I, what I think was incorrect about your statement. I would love to come on the show, not call you an anti-Semite and discuss Mm -hmm. this topic with you and say why it was racism that Jews were killed in the Holocaust. This is why we believe it is. But on the flip side, I also, you know, as an educated person understand where you were coming from by saying, you know, maybe your understanding of race is that, You know, Jewish people aren't considered to have their own race, that they fall under. So I understand what you were trying to say. I know that you weren't trying to diminish what happened in the (laughs) Holocaust and you're not an evil person, but let's have that conversation before, you know, people start literally cutting, you know, giving her death threats, which I find insane that you're mad that potentially someone, even if, let's say it's true, if she did diminish what happened to, jewish people during the holocaust you're upset about that like people were killed people were were decimated it was horrible the payback or the response for you diminishing it is i kill you how does that make sense
1: (laughs) i got you no i get you yeah insane i completely agree yeah and i i like your idea of a leader within the jewish community or scholar being Mm. invited onto the show and to have that conversation because yeah. it would be helpful not just for Whoopi Goldberg if she, I don't think she needs that further education. I think yeah. she knows, you know, but for people out there who, who are, um, I guess trigger happy to react, right? Mm-hmm. And call for death threats and, and based upon a headline or who don't really aren't willing to, um, take a, the next step and look into it a little bit further. Yeah. And they just see something, and they just boom, that's it. I'm, Getting her on the phone and you're dead. And it's
0: just. Yeah. And I, I think that there are, when there's controversies like this, that there's always opportunists out there, right? That mm-hmm. want to take this opportunity to either knock Whoopi Goldberg down, gain yeah. notoriety, yeah, get the microphone yeah. on me, mm-hmm. get, get a quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of those people um, being the princess of Arizona, Meghan McCain, uh, <laughs> who I cannot stand, um, stating that she is heartbroken about what Whoopi said. And, uh, you know, and, and now taking an opportunity to run to the media to share her um, brilliant perspective on what mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg said. And she knows Whoopi Goldberg. She knows she's not anti-Semitic. Meghan McCain is not Jewish. Let, let Jewish people speak for themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, don't let the little blonde blue eyed princess talk for an ethnic group um, because she's, she, they didn't appoint her for that. You know um, go ahead and be a bobble. you know, speaking head on, on Fox, whatever you want to do. But don't use this as an opportunity to attack your ex coworker, former friend, if you want to call it that, um, to get more attention. And that—that's what she's doing, right? She—I mean, she she uses her dad's notoriety for her career. So why wouldn't she do that? It seems like the you know a natural progression. But um, it just—it kind of you know I, I get wanting people wanting to share their opinion. Obviously, I do it. We're doing it now, but. Um, I don't know. It just certain, certain parts of it just seem very, uh, cringy when you see someone like Megan McCain that, that really is, ha, has no stakes in the game. She's not Jewish. Exactly. She's, mm-hmm. um, you know, not on the view. She is a former employee of the view, like go talk about guns or, you know, whatever it is that you're, <laughs> you like to do or, you know, do whatever, <laughs> but, um, leave Whoopi Goldberg alone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, guns <laughs> i love whoopi goldberg i mean she's she's one of those people like robin williams billy crystal who mm-hmm. are comedic geniuses that we our generation has grown up watching their their movies they're brilliant they're great actors and actresses yeah. and um show them a little grace for you know maybe misspeaking in the tiniest little way i mean i I really think that this wasn't that big of a gaffe as everyone is making it out to be. But again, I'm not Jewish. I can't speak for Jewish people. um, So I can't, you know, play down their um, emotions or, you know, the sensitivity towards this topic. Um, However, you know, I can share my opinion based off of, you know, my own life experience. And, And that's what it is. So there you go
1: there you go yeah i
0: mean
1: being half well i can't say i'm half jewish being jewish from my mother's side i um but growing up <laughs> you were really gonna say
0: from like the waist up or like <laughs> it, it just sounded like you're doing <laughs> a physical like me being, being jewish, jewish from, from the like the up. neck up <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> however not growing up in a jewish secular household because we yeah. didn't really didn't do anything i still you know consider myself to be Jewish, mm-hmm. but, um, I guess I'm not as sensitive to remarks like this mm-hmm. because I wasn't, um, yes, I don't, I don't think I had any family that were directly affected by the Holocaust, mm-hmm. but cause I think we're all, all of them were already over here in the United States by then. But, um, I just think that it's, it doesn't hurt me to hear stuff like this. it, not really, but I guess it should, because it de- I guess it depends if I'm looking at the, if she's what she's saying is to minimize Jewish people, and I don't think it was. Right. So that's why right. a remark like this is she was not saying, "Oh yeah, you guys are less than regular people, and you're not a race." But like I said, I don't. I always thought mm-hmm. Jewish people were broken into secular Jewish, Jewish, so it's like a a race a set of people
0: yeah.
1: or religious Jewish people. And, um, you can be religious and Jewish or secular and Jewish. And it was like the, one of the only few people in and religions where those two collided and you could be one of the other, other and still be mm-hmm. Jewish. Yeah. So it's like, um, you don't see like Mexicans and Catholic, you know, and which one, which one are you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm a half Mexican and half Catholic too. Cause my dad's Mexican grew up Catholic. So, um,
0: from the way I can see that
1: <laughs> so I can say that stuff <laughs> but it's it's like um I don't know where I was going with that but I just Sorry. think that
0: <laughs> I, I blame myself
1: <laughs> I I guess the at the end of the day is individually do do you get someone in my shoes or someone mm-hmm. similar to me, look at her remarks and say, Oh yeah, man, she needs to be fired or she needs to be canned or whatnot. Yeah. Or do you get people like me as well who see her remarks and say, okay, yeah, I get what she was saying, whatever. It's not that big of a deal.
0: Yeah,
1: um, It's the other people I think who are on the outside, like you said, Megan McCain, um, the other people who are calling for her head, calling for her to be mm-hmm. fired, who might not have any claim to that <clears throat> position to want to respond for those who are directly affected by her remarks. Mm-hmm. So the non-Jewish people say, yeah, she's, she's done. She needs to be out of there. Or it could just be those people who are looking for the limelight and looking for to knock her down a peg or two. Yeah. So, Well,
0: I mean, you have, you have someone like Donald Trump who, who aggressively I think tried to appeal to the Jewish demographic by, you know, saying that, uh, you know, Democrats didn't, have their best interest of israel Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know spoke out the side of his face saying you know the people that were protesting that were neo-nazi proud boys some of them are good people and so Mm -hmm. it's it's odd that it's like you know that this story is going to be run on fox news like on a time (laughs) you know on a loop of Mm -hmm. Whoopi goldberg's anti-semitic democrats liberals are anti-semitic and and but they're the same people that think that Proud Boys are you know good people. So it's like it, it just it's it's just a very uh, like a good opportunity to try to knock her down, um, yeah. to try to get a Democrat or get a liberal. You know I don't even know how Whoopi identifies if she's Libertarian or Democrat or what. Um, and and but it's an opportunity for them to like knock her and and yeah. have like a gotcha moment. And it's and it's so stupid because. It's really not that big, you know, that big of a deal. Again, uh, you know, I'm not Jewish, but
1: taking from um, what you just said and and Donald Trump's comments about there's good guys or people on both sides of that. I take more offense Mm -hmm. to that than I do to Whoopi Goldberg's comment, because that's saying that some of those Nazis are good people and the only good Nazi is a one that's punched in the face. So I, yeah, it's,
0: yeah. I'll go one step further because (laughs) I like to court controversy. But honestly, an only good Nazi is a dead Nazi. Yeah,
1: I was going to say that. I was going to say that. But do I go there? No, I'll just Are go with the punch there? in the i I'll face. go there for you. <laughs> okay, I'll thank go there you. for you. A good ally yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: and so, so yeah. So it it just and I and to address like any sort of maybe hypocrisy of me being upset about these people talking about Whoopi Goldberg and me like ranting, ranting about Sean Penn is, you know, I think that he did have, you know, somewhat of an ill intent because right now there is a lot of um anti-trans sentiment and and it falls within that that dialogue that narrative of you know feminism or you know the feminization of of men being bad and that attitude does have a direct correlation to trans women being attacked and killed and Mm -hmm. that is something that is very rampant in society right now and we do have to protect that segment of our community and by not Mm -hmm. Attacking or at least discussing someone who says a controversial statement like that, like, oh, America just sucks because men are becoming women and they're putting on our skirts. Like that's the kind of attitude that other men that are ignorant hear. And then when they see a, quote, man wearing a dress and they attack them or kill him because it threatens their idea of manhood – it has very dangerous implications, yeah, you know, today. And so mm-hmm. that's, I think, the difference is like we know Sean Penn. Like there, there's more of a uh, an issue with him saying that. Like there, there's ramifications to what he's saying. I don't think that there was ill intent from Whoopi Goldberg. I don't think it mm-hmm. has any ramifications because she wasn't degreda- uh, degrading. She wasn't, you know, doing anything. That would injure Jewish people in any way. Yeah. I think so. um So if anyone wants to call me a hypocrite, there you go. That's my my comeback to that. <laughs>
1: <story>. <laughs> You're not a hypocrite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, but speaking of Mouse, the comic book, mm-hmm. um, you obviously know, and you are now becoming a comic book geek. Uh, you know mm-hmm. now. Um, <laughs> have you read Mouse?
1: I have not believe it or not. Yeah. And the funny thing is until I started um, researching about a topic we're going to talk about, I didn't even really know about it. Mm-hmm. So when, when I heard it was getting banned, I was like, what is, I don't even know what this is. And I know it's a very widely popular, one of the most popular widespread graphic novels that's out mm-hmm. there. Yet I had no idea of ex- of its existence. I'm going yeah. to read it because you know, it's, Looks interesting and looks like a great way to kind of. Um, when I was reading about what it was about, it was a great way to tell his parents' story mm-hmm. about World War II in the concentration death camps and in a uh, format that can be relatable to all using right. animals and whatnot. So it looks yeah. very, very intriguing to me.
0: And the so called controversy being that some people think that that conversation or that story is too heavy for children. Um, I I try to recollect of when I was a kid and being introduced to heavy topics uh, and not being um, damaged by it, not being triggered or injured in any way. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, we, we minimize kids or children's ability to uh, their critical thinking skills. And and I think that them reading this would actually help people become more compassionate and more understanding. Um, And I think it's a great format for kids to have an introduction into what happened during the Holocaust. Um, You know, we we have kids read the Diary of Anne Frank. We talk about the Holocaust. Why not allow them to to read this? Um, I, I think that it's it's interesting that we have parents or you know educators that try to police you know what kids can or cannot read and uh, you know i think that it should be a parent's decision you know uh, hopefully parents have their best interests of their kids and know their kids well enough to know mm-hmm. what they can mm-hmm. and cannot handle you know obviously i don't want a kid to read it at seven and then be crying their you know themselves to sleep for months because you know this evil exists in the world but <laughs> do well, i, I want people to still live in this privileged entitled bubble where they don't know Mm -hmm. anything outside of, you know, the gates of their neighborhood until they go to college and then they've already (laughs) formed an opinion about the world. No, like that needs to stop. They need to be introduced to other things. So I support it.
1: I think it's, it's what you said uh, about the parents, um, not wanting their kids to read it because they don't want them to be traumatized by it. Mm -hmm. I think it's parents don't want to take the time to, have that conversation with the kids, what it's about, mm-hmm. you know, because they parents, they want to leave that all up to the teachers in school and let them talk about it. But if, if you're going to have, if you want well-rounded kids and you want to have those moments of where you can help them learn about the history, because if we don't learn history, we're doomed to repeat it, which mm-hmm. as you can see, we kind of are unfortunately in this country. And it's, it's one of those things where if the kids read it, you know sit down and talk to them about it answer any questions show them why it's necessary for them to learn about that yeah other than just you know what video game is out and how you can play your video games and whatnot Mm -hmm. so it's i think it's a meaningful topic that that parents just i don't want to say they're too lazy over there where they're trying to ban it but maybe they just you know they just don't want to spend the time that they need to
0: yeah, they're lazy. They and 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 I think that there's uh, an amount of privilege that comes along with that of, you know, middle or upper middle class white families not wanting their children to be, um, you know, shown the evils of the world like Mm -hmm. and and what a you know what a privileged life that must be to not have to you know (laughs) you don't face racism you don't fit fit um you don't see anti-semitism and nor do we want you to know that it exists we don't want you to have critical race theory taught to you we don't want you to hear about sexism or misogyny in this it's like they they want to continue that you know white fantasy of america where you know oh everything's perfect you know you have a Mm -hmm. mom and a dad who are heterosexual and we have 2.5 kids and a dog and don't ruin their lives by showing them the reality well they live in the world and you know like other kids don't have the benefit or the privilege of not learning those things at an early age like you know um i'm sure there there are kids that are jewish that you know that are physically recognizably Jewish that, you know, due to their uh, choice of, of garments and headwear and, and, stuff like that, that walk through New York that get beaten up, that get, you yeah. know, accosted and, and, you know, um, they don't have the, the choice of, of learning or reading about things. So, um, and they can handle it. They they learn mm-hmm. to overcome mm-hmm. that discrimination and to be stronger. Well, the other kids need to as well. The other kids need to learn about the struggles that other people face and become allies. Because that's yeah. how you become an ally. You learn about the struggles that other people face and you help fight it. You It's, it's not enough to just know that it exists, but you have to go out and help fight it. Um, and that's where the laziness and, and mm-hmm. not only the laziness, but the... Um, the, the really deep down, like rooted uh, feelings of not wanting it to change, wanting yeah, things to stay true. the same or even mm-hmm. things to go back the way they were or make America yep. great again is mm-hmm. like it didn't bother us when we were in the 50s. And, you know, Jewish people had to live in their ghettos and black people had to live in their ghettos and Japanese were in internment camps and and Mexicans could, you know, get deported with with just, uh, you know, uh, a second's notice. Everything was fine for for you know middle class upper middle class white people. We loved it. Like let's yeah. make it back that. Well, it just it, it and I think that that's really what the, what's at the heart of people that are like anti critical race theory, anti letting kids read about things that happen in the world is they want it to be just that nice pretty little fantasy realm that they have um and Stanford it, it can't. white. Yeah, <laughs> and it can't. It just it's yeah. it's not it, it that's what creates all this turmoil in the world. So I don't know, but that's why I love comics. They you can have a a a graphic novel um such as Mouse that is such a a, a great um teachable tool. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it has a story, a plot that not only you find, you know, entertainment in the sense that, you know, you go on that journey of the characters and all of that, but you learn about things outside of your own realm and reality. And that's what I find great about comics and what's magical about them is that, you know, on the one hand, you could have something like mouse, but on the other hand, you could have something like Spider-Man. You can have something like the Avengers that is purely fun fantasy, you know, and, and is, is just for entertainment value. And so comics <laughs> are great as a, right. as a medium, as, um, as a, an, an, a piece of art, uh, really. Piece of art.
1: I'm glad you said that because I was doing some research for this for this topic that we're talking about right now. With our comic books art? Yeah. And I guess it all boils down to in the in this basis purest form is it's in the eyes of the beholder, right? Mm-hmm. So no matter what you look at it, what I might see as art, someone else might not. Someone who sees a piece of dog poop in the center of a floor might see that as art but i don't it's just something that needs to be picked up (laughs) um or like a a white wall with maybe a blue dot in the center or a painting or picture of two shades of green
0: yeah
1: and or you know a fine rembrandt or something like that so Mm -hmm. the levels of art run the full gamut you know and it's i was just looking at what is the definition of art Right? Just it's the expression or application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual form such as painting or sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. That sounds like a comic book to me. Right. I mean, especially if you look at some of the artwork that's being done today in comic books, Mm -hmm. it's just outstanding.
0: Yeah. And I actually have a good example of of just that, of, of a book that I read when I was a kid that I wasn't traumatized by, but very much was a learning moment for me. Uh, mm-hmm. It was an X-Men graphic novel, no surprise. Cause I'm like the biggest mm-hmm. X-Men fan. Uh, but, uh, God loves man kills. And it's mm-hmm. about the hatred that mutants are facing, which is obviously a metaphor for race, you know, anti uh, you know, Uh, homosexuality you could replace it with with pretty much any sort of discrimination and um you have in in the comic you know uh magneto is is fighting you know sort of like the malcolm x man um in Mm -hmm. in that universe of of trying to protect his mutant people and 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 then you have mainstream people that are trying to kill them um, because of the differences that they they perceive they have, and and at one point, um, you have this leader within that movement, that anti mutant movement, whose daughter um, becomes is found out to be a mutant, and he right. disowns her, and and you know again that very much you know. What happens to people that come out of the closet that are gay or, you know, that, that, you know, bring a interracial relationship home. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's o- an obvious metaphor. Um, and when that happened, you know, I just I remember crying and being like, how could a dad do that to his daughter because she is a mutant or she's different? And uh it was such a powerful book. I definitely recommend it to like anyone that would like to be introduced into comics or see the real value of the artwork. Artwork was spectacular. The writing um, it was written by Chris Claremont, who is like the writer of the X-Men, you know, one of the greatest <laughs> comic book writers of all time. And uh, it just exemplifies how great or how elevated the art work can be or the art form mm-hmm. can be mm-hmm. uh, like you said you know it, it can move you to tears it can you know teach you lessons um but then also you know i'm just a big fan of picking up a comic book because it has a cool cover d- yeah. drawn by an artist and you're like wow storm looks fucking badass in this cover <laughs> because she looks powerful and she's black and she's you know controls weather and just on that alone it's you know, to me, it's just as meaningful as going in and like you saying, looking at a Rembrandt or you know, mm-hmm. Monet or whatever and and it, you know, one could even say maybe it's even more powerful because of of the reach that it has because it's such it's so ingrained in pop culture. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't I can't say enough about the the power of comics. like i I think that the reason I was able to excel in English and reading um, is because I started reading at such a young age, because mm-hmm. every day my parents bought me a comic before I went to my grandma's house to, to get babysat. I mean, this is before I was even in kindergarten. And, you know, up until today, like I still buy comic books. So it, it's, you know, um, I definitely owe a lot to comic books, you know, my education, my ability to read and my perspective on life. Um, a lot of that is derived from from comic books.
1: Yeah, I, and I think just to go along with what you're saying about the um, the written portion of it. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to a um, professor, Latinx, uh, who we've had on, Frederick Louis-Adama, who we've had on the show before, about this topic, about conversation, is is um, are comic books literature? Mm-hmm. And the reason I asked him that was I, took, I asked my mom, we were having this conversation, do you think comic books are art? And she said, yes, of course they are. But they're not literature. This is coming from a, she's a former elementary school librarian. So she's saying that they weren't literature. And I was kind of taken aback by that. I was like, how can they not be literature? You look at graphic novels, you look at the stories that they tell and everything. And she said, well, uh, and it stemmed mainly from, um, I guess, the teachers and that people who believe that not wanting kids to just be stuck on comic books or whatnot mm-hmm. to read. They wanted them to get into more quote unquote novels where the written word is their form of art, mm-hmm. which I get. But when I approached uh, professor Latin X about this, he he referred me to a website, which is the visual language lab, which is run by a guy, a professor, another professor named Neil Cohen. So I emailed him and I asked him if he thought um, comic books were literature And he gave me a a nice, complex uh, response, which uh, I'll kind of paraphrase, but he said that for him, thinking in terms of it becomes less distinct if you accept his notion of visual language, which argues that graphics have similar structure and cognition um, as speech and writing. Mm -hmm. So in this understanding that art and literature are the same, basically that art is, is use of an expressive system. So you could equally speak of the artistic use of words to be literature or the poetic use of graphics to be art. So ultimately art and literature refer to the same thing in general. So yeah. I thought that was really cool. And we're just coming from an expert in visual language. So I really appreciate his time in getting back to me on that. So but at the end, he does say that it is, you know, art, literature are subjective. Mm-hmm. Really, and they really are so you think is a magazine literature you know yeah. to, if you're just gonna look at written word um, no because you know you're you're placing them in two different um, buckets I guess
2: mm-hmm.
1: But so the same thing with comic books it comes down to or graphic novels comes down to the eye of the beholder like we said at the beginning so it, it's cool to have it defined but it's also cool to know that I can say you know what I don't care what you think I think it's literature and it's going to be for me yeah So it's, it's, it, and I think it comes down to what you said, the power of comic books. Mm -hmm. And I think they are very powerful. And not just comic books as, as we know them in like superheroes, like you said, with Mouse and there's other like when they went underground comic books, you know, and, and the, the topics of the day and how they were rebellious against, you know, like the war movements or stuff like that. And, Mm -hmm. and it's just, they're a powerful medium that, Today reaches more people than a fine work of art. Mm-hmm. So it's like the tier level of art. You know, you have your um, Da Vinci's, your Van Gogh's, who, yes, some of their reprints are pop culture now, but their fine prints can only be viewed by people who are lucky enough to get to the Louvre, the Louvre blah, you know, yeah. or the fancy museums, whereas Numbers. comic books yeah. as a. Are can be digitalized and are seen everywhere. Yeah. And they have that same impact whether you're reading it in your hand or on, on your iPad or something, yeah. I think.
0: I, I, I've been fortunate enough to go to that museum in in Paris <laughs> and and see the Mona Lisa, and mm-hmm. obviously it's one of the most iconic pieces of fine art that's ever yeah. existed. And it it was you know a great moment to be able to like physically see it face to face. But yeah. in reality, my life has been more impacted by the work produced by Marvel in DC and Image <laughs> than. Mm-hmm the Mona Lisa. So you could say that, that in the long run, you know, comic books are the most impressionable and at least on my life, you know, uh, mm-hmm. obviously I'm very much inspired by fine art as well, but, um, art is art, you know, there's, I, I don't yeah. think that, that it should be categorized by fine, you know, underground or, uh, y- y- folk or whatever you know you want low brow yeah Yeah, it just it it's it however you want to express yourself and and i'm a fan of it all like you know there's i'm a fan of all art so um it's really great but we were fortunate enough or i should say you were fortunate enough to speak to (laughs) uh, an artist within um the the field that we're speaking of within comic books and um why don't we why don't we get a little introduction into that that uh conversation you had that'd be great
1: yeah, it was great. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, and we'll play the, the conversation right after this. So stay tuned for that. It, it's, but, um, I was able to talk to an artist, um, his, by the name of Joshua Sway Swayby. He goes by Sway. He's a, um, younger artist. He's just graduated from SVA in New York city. It's the school of visual arts mm-hmm. and his work. He has like six, I think variant covers coming up for, uh, Marvel for Black History Month, oh, wow. and it's it's really cool. His artwork is fantastic, and we'll have links in our description box for it. But we had a nice conversation about you know his style, um, his journey so far, what he's excited about for the future. So yeah, let's let's have a listen to that. Today we are joined by Joshua Sway Swayby, who we'll refer to as Sway. He is a fantastic freelance comic and illustration cover artist who'd done work for Marvel, Marvel Studios, DC Comics, and Entertainment Weekly. So thank you, Sway, for taking some time to join us today here on Pop Cold X. We really appreciate it. For having me here. Thank you so much. (laughs) So tell me just a little brief introduction to who you are and to our listeners so they can learn a little bit more about you, Sway. Tell us, give us your little brief bio, I guess.
3: Well, I'm... Sway as you know me as um I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Um grew up born here. Um and really I've just been doing art since throughout my life really. Um from elementary to like college, I've been, you know, pers- you know, art was such um a goal and a pursuit to do as a career wise so it was something for me that I've always wanted to do and always wanted to um you know bring out into the world and stuff um I started um in high school I went to art and design oh nice um, which was basically, um, was also an art school. It had all all different stuff from art, photography, um, graphic design, um,
1: animation. Cool, that's cool.
3: And from there, I really had like really great teachers and stuff, and after that, after I graduated from there, I went to um, SVA, School of Visual Arts. Oh, cool. Um, which was a really it was a it was a good school. Um, <laughs> my my complaints about it.
2: Um,
3: at first, I really wanted. It was a school that I've like was like so forward with because it was just because it had um cartooning major and I wanted to do you know comics, which I'm still mm-hmm. doing. But um, the four year experience, I really felt like it. I honestly should have just kind of, you know, done the work on my own. Though I had,
2: gotcha. you know, mm-hmm.
3: professors and stuff has helped me and people yeah. were in the industry. I, you know, I still feel like I was able to do on my own and stuff mm-hmm. um, because I was always someone who was always trying to um, navigate and always like get my, mm-hmm. my in, you know, the industry and stuff. Um, from high school, I had um, a mentor whose, whose name is Terry Dotson. I don't know if you're not sure what this him. He's also a really big comic artist. Oh, nice. Also, like, from high school has mentored me, and then from there on, college and stuff. So, but yeah, from that on point, you know, um being in college it was it <laughs> didn't really need it but I hear you <laughs> it was I was able to you know use an advantage for certain things yeah but um from 2020 because that's where I, um I graduated um from 2020 was like a whole different um sort of like life changing like shift mm-hmm. In- mm-hmm. um from that point, you know, COVID had started um, the whole thing and stuff. And from there, you know, also it was going to be my last year in college. Right. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do at all. <laughs> 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 COVID happening and school. I was just like, I, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen because it's just like, everything, <laughs> like it was like falling down, and I not right. know. Going on, and um, I just felt like you know, after I graduated, what, what was it I was going to do next, right? Um, but um, something that. happened here's a June, um, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and George Floyd movement and stuff,
2: right? Um,
3: that was the biggest reason of why I'm, like, kind of, like, here in the industry today, because I changed my portfolio Um, during the time being. um, There was a lot of editors and stuff who were just, who, during that time, was just, like, um, were given an open space for Black creators and Black artists,
2: Mm -hmm. and...
3: For me at the time, I always felt like I was underrated too, because I was just like, I'm I'm working like non-stop and I'm creating. And I just feel like I'm not doing anything and nobody's not caring. Yeah. So at that point I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna share my portfolio. And from that, I've gotten a lot of attention. Um, so much attention to the point when I where um one writer, Rick Reminder, um, offered me like my first ever um cover art gig. Nice And then It was Marvel Who you know reached out to me um, That's cool me, Who um, basically Was like hey We're interested in you We would like to Have you as like A, a cover artist And stuff So from there That happened um, Sometimes I still Think of it Like a blessing Or a curse Because <laughs> You know The situation That happened I really wish It had never happened To me But at the same time Just like well I, I'm I'm in it now so mm-hmm. I'm glad that I've you know I shared my portfolio you know basically from there on people saw the talent that I had and yeah you know, went on with it so from there on you know Marvel they saw me and they basically offered me to do a cover and then cool. after that it went from Entertainment Weekly um it was much that and Entertainment Weekly was much further down. It was a, It didn't happen during um the whole, pipeline matter movement. But it came more later on, as you know, as I've showed. As my, your
1: work got acknowledgement and yes. stuff, right, right.
3: Um. So Entertainment Weekly, they found me. Um. They supposedly somebody found me who from SVA. They saw that I graduated there and saw my work, and then it was DC Comics who found me. Um, it was a writer. I can't remember his name, but I've posted a, a piece. It was a, um, a Lady Gaga um, and Bayonetta piece that I did. And oh, nice. a lot of people really, like, really loved it. Yeah. And my- <laughs> writers saw it. It was just like... Um, have you done work for DC? I was like, No, but he was like, <laughs> <laughs> You're good <gonna. laughs> like, I'm gonna put you to do <laughs> stuff for DC Comics. I was just like, Oh, really? And that's where I did DC Comics. Nice, nice. And then from 2021, um, you know, I did, it's, I did a, another work for the Entertainment Weekly, and that's when uh, Marvel Studios contacted me. Um, Marvel Studios, they I didn't. I didn't have to show any portfolio or anything. They said that somebody just passed my name and mm-hmm. interested me and they from there on, they put me to do stuff for What If? And also their um, upcoming show that's been announced on X-Men 97.
1: Right on. Um,
3: and from there on, it was from um, doing stuff for Imagine FX, that's um, more like the biggest like digital art comics for artists and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then I did stuff for Z2 Balmain, Z2, um, Z2 that's collaborated with Balmain, the fashion. Right,
1: group. the fashion house.
3: Yeah. So I did I did work for them, and my work was on Paris Fashion Week, and
1: wow,
3: yeah. And then I did some work for um for <laughs> <just laughs> the great, game. And, wow, yeah, it's been a lot for me. It that, it was a whole roll because I was doing work and overwork and work and work, and you know, right now I'm just still feel like like oh my god, like I still can't believe I got so much so mm-hmm. fast, <laughs> <It's been> like <laughs> almost like two years now. And you know, and I just graduated, so. Right,
1: well, if you got the talent, people want to showcase that and they want to see more of it. So mm-hmm. kudos to you for, for being able to take in all of that and still be yourself and still um, give back your style because right. some people they I'm sure they want to change you or they want to like you know we need it this way or that way yeah. but you're able to commit to your own style because I've seen I've looked through your digital online portfolio and I mm-hmm. see your work and I can tell that you haven't lost that because it still remains consistent to who you are mm-hmm. so I think that's that's awesome Thank you. Thank you. does does um being from Brooklyn did that have any influence on your work and your style at all
3: um, yes, uh, in a way, in a way, my work, I always feel like in a lot of ways, my work has so many influence, but I would say my main influence is so much that I've always been into was comics and was video games. Okay. Um, music in general was mm-hmm. something that I was very influenced Um you know, the things that I see from like fashion and and stuff. Um, So, so much of it has influenced my work and I always bring it to something to where um, it's my own style and it's my own sort of um, unique, you know, sense of Mm -hmm. touch. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: Also, I think even though I don't, probably don't see in my work, but I used to dance and dancing was something that I've always like, sort of, um, used in, in my work too. Um, in sort of the the obsession of like movement in mind. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So in a lot of ways, that's also been really a big factor in my work too and stuff. So, yeah.
1: That's cool. That's really cool. Just drawing from different aspects of yourself and yes. relating them into your art. That's cool. Do you have, um, I guess, who was your biggest, you said you loved comics from a young age Mm
0: -hmm. and you
1: love video games. Um, I love video games too. I just recently got into comics really heavily um, with like finding like the Marvel Unlimited app Mm -hmm. and the DC version of that. So finally Mm -hmm. I have, I could just, I've just been plowing through different versions of comics. Mm -hmm. Who do you think has been your biggest influence, artistic influence from like the comic book or video game side that really relates to you?
3: Um, so artist-wise, it was Adam Hughes. Um, Adam Hughes was someone that, from high school, I remember I had an old um, Wizard magazine, and I mm-hmm. remember just flipping mm-hmm. through, and um, I remember seeing one little artwork from him, and um and at first I was just saying, hmm, this is a really good Wonder Woman piece. Let me look at this guy. <laughs> And once I looked him up, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is something that I want to do in my work. So Adam Hughes was someone that was a nice. very big influence in my work. And I used to, like, copy and study his work in high school. And I'm still obsessed with this work still. To be <laughs>
2: um,
3: but it was his work was something that I really wanted to put an influence in in my work and stuff um the way he draws women and the way that he colors and stuff
2: mm-hmm.
3: um but yeah adam hughes been is one of like the biggest and also my mentor terry terry dodson was also biggest influence because i've you know had his um work since i was a kid oh, cool. um, and yeah um video game wise um I would have to say, Bayonetta. I don't know if you've ever played Bayonetta.
1: I. I don't know if I've played that game or not. Look Maybe I have. Okay, <laughs> I'll look it up.
3: <laughs> you're gonna, you're, you're gonna bar, even so just play it. You're gonna be like, "What the hell is happening?" And at the same time, you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, this is such a good game." Right. And Bayonetta <laughs> was like, was one of those video games that really influenced like a lot of my work and a lot of the sense of confidence and sexuality and the sense of power in a way. So, um, that video game has really influenced like the sort of work that I have and stuff. So, yeah.
1: That's cool. Well, with video games, you said you did some work for Crystal Dynamics and you also did the animation for What If. Do you Mm -hmm. find there a big difference between drawing a cover art for a comic book and doing Mm -hmm. animation is that something that's easily you can go back and forth between or is it like left and Um, right brain it
3: what I did during um Marvel Studios they wanted me to do like um crowds like it was Mm -hmm. it was just it was basically a crowd of people and what they wanted me to do was because they had a specific style that they had for the um, the show that right. I had to um, sort of borrow that and use that in the work. And it was very hard because it was just like, I had to sort of change my style in a way and I had <clears> to, do, you know, which um they were using. So it was definitely hard to have my brain switch from doing <laughs> stuff, doing covers, and doing mm-hmm. stuff that was for something for TV. Um, so it was definitely a, a, a lot of work and a lot of learning experience um, to do, and also doing a little bit of um, character designs and stuff. Right. It's because they want a specific style, and you really can't really... Although you can showcase your work, it's just... It's, it's more like, it, it has to be this. It can't be, you know, the other way around, so...
1: Right. And if people are watching and want to go see the What If episode, I think it's the Star-Lord What If episode, correct? Yeah. Yes, the, yes. That was probably one of my favorite episodes, too. So.
3: Yeah, it's just a very good episode. Very, yeah.
1: very good. So how do you think art, um, or how important do you think, like, art is today, even comic book art in society? Like, do you think how much of a role, I guess, well, okay, I'm pop, I'll back up a little bit. On Pop Vex mm-hmm. this episode, we're talking about is should comic books and comics be considered art? Mm-hmm. And so I think it should be, of course, because it is. Mm-hmm. It, it really, really is. I mean, mm-hmm. do you think with that in mind, do you think that comic books and art should play a role or how much a role do they play right now in the society in general?
3: Very much. It's a very big role. If you t- look at how Marvel <laughs> Studios uses stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So much goes back to the comics and so much goes back to how much um, the artists and also the writers itself, you know, create these worlds and create these characters for, um, you know, the stories for it to be put in the big screen. Right. So in a lot of ways, it's a very big deal. Um I always look at, you know, comic art and like, you know, illustration as a very high art as to like specifically people see fine art as mm-hmm. like, you know, very high art, but in terms of like, you know, the stuff that I'm doing or the illustration is more like low tier art in a way.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it isn't
3: it's really the same. It's mm-hmm. just different in technical skill. Um, and I just feel like it's, it's, you know, there should be, the same, you know, equal um, equality in terms of yeah, you know, certain work.
1: No, I right. agree. Mm-hmm.
3: There's certain ways, you know, you you can't really, you know, it, some people can't really do, um, you know, comic, comic illustrations, but they can do like fine art, or you know, or mm-hmm. can do both. But it's just to me, it's, it's very equal. To me yeah. Well.
1: Now you've you've done a lot of um, covers. And I'll probably show some for our audience to see. Do you have motive? are you interested in creating a whole comic book itself? So the internal pages and whatnot, is that something that's on your um, things to do list?
3: Um, or I've you thought are? about it, but mm-hmm. um, I've done a lot of interior work around my college years and, it really has sort of um burned burnt me down, <laughs> okay, okay yes, um because I've when I was doing it, I've learned that um I put so much time and sometimes details when I do interior work so it, to which it slows my pace and it takes uh, okay. time to really figure out a panel. I sometimes I always think about you know doing a, a comic, but I think to me right now. I feel like my work just stands alone, just doing stuff that are, you know, covers or illustration mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. In, in terms of marketing or, and in, or in the future wise, which I want to pursue is doing like, you know, stuff for character designs and, you know, stuff for, you know, movies or um, video games and stuff. So, yeah.
1: Right on. That's cool. No, I, I you have a good grasp of like the individual characters, especially when you're in your covers. I can really see that a lot. I mean, um, you have, this is today, of course, is February 1st for those mm-hmm. watching and it is the start of Black History Month for 2022. Yes. And I saw that you have, will be having six variant covers for Marvel this month. Yes. That yes. is awesome. I saw four mm-hmm. of them, I think, um, which would be the Luke Cage, mm-hmm. the, um, which for me, that one was just like, wow, that is so cool. I really Dang. like the Luke Cage version that's the just the colors that you brought out this the stature from the low angle it's just making yeah. him you know it's really stand out
3: person. great um poet person that I've used as inspiration for that and I was just like ah, I knew it he's going to be Luke Cage I'm going to use him to use for that
2: cover so yeah
1: that's cool now well, speaking of that do you have people in your life or that you follow anywhere online or anything, and you say I'm going to model my characters off of that person.
3: Yes, I do. Um, the the Captain Marvel, the, the Monica, um, the mm-hmm. Yes, um, the Miles Morales, the Luke Cage, were all modeled by people that I follow, that I've watched, that I know.
2: That's cool.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and. I thought it was, you know, better for me to, like, use people um, that I've, you know, kind of know from or, or inspired by. And just, you know, I basically just went and just, you know, asked them permission, be like, hey, can I use mm-hmm. your... <laughs> this character and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I really wanted those covers to be very unique and very different, yeah. so different, you know, Black characters and Black, you know, mm-hmm. features and stuff so it was definitely yeah i've i use a lot of um people from who i follow or know to that's cool bring these characters yeah yeah
1: that's really cool um when you're doing designing for dc or marvel do you notice that you have to make slight variations to your style because of the the maybe the different um I guess just the way DC and Marvel separate themselves?
3: No, I, I always feel like my work sort of stays the same with Marvel and DC. Oh, okay, cool. I never really want to, never change, change it. I always, you know, the stuff that I have for Marvel always look like the stuff that I have to DC. It's just the way, technically the way that I do is just very differently Mm -hmm. from like, Other you know cover work and stuff but it's I always I never really change it in a way the tones are different I would say but mostly mostly I always stay the same with all the work so
1: that's cool that is that's cool I mean that's good I'm glad that you're sticking true to yourself there that's really cool and not bending too much um now since you started in high school with your artwork to today do you think your style has changed at all, evolved, maybe just, you know?
3: Tremendously. Okay. Very much. Um, even from high, elementary, too, because I was also uh, in <laughs> elementary school. I went to also a performing arts school in elementary also. Right on. Um, and... I had a sketchbook throughout my life, and I was always drawing. If you know, if anyone knew me, I was I always had a sketchbook (laughs) in hand. (laughs) It was basically my little diary, and it was you know something that um I needed when I'm like you know either feeling you know sad and stuff. I was I was always drawing. I was drawing the train and stuff, but my work has tremendously, tremendously, you know, sort of changed. I was very determined. Um, I was, I've, I've always, you know, pushed myself to, you know, be able to do things that I wasn't able to do Um, Mm -hmm. and to, know, work my way around. Cause I, you know, from day one, I kind of always realized that I, I wanted to be, something so right (laughs) I wanted to do art as something as a career wise and I wanted to you know be a professional at it so yeah
1: Mm -hmm. so what are your favorite so since you now are a professional and I will call Mm -hmm. you that because you are what are your favorite and least favorite parts of being a professional artist
3: um for right now, it's been deadlines. <laughs> um, it's been killing me. Sometimes I'll just be like, oh my gosh. Um, you know, I have And usually sometimes I always, you know, email the editors and be like, hey, I, I might need some time for certain things. Um, but yeah, mostly it's it's deadlines. Um,
2: I hear you. <laughs> I hear
3: you. <laughs> a Pro, I don't know what to say a pro being a professional I don't know um
1: well I guess you get to do what you love for a living right
3: true that's true um that's, that's very it's I still feel like even though you know me hearing myself you know people say I'm a professional artist I'm like oh wow well, yeah just <laughs> I'm really professional (laughs) because I still feel so new, and sometimes I'm just like, wow So it's just you know, I feel like I'm still young at my age, so it's just Mm -hmm. feel like I'm still learning
2: a lot. I hear you.
3: You know the cut you as much as you know these covers that you see and everybody's just like my god you never miss um these are just like professional like I'm just like some of these I'm just like well I'm, I'm learning you know each of these cover I'm learning and mm-hmm. finding something to be able to get better
2: at so yeah.
1: yeah I hear you well that's the mark of a true artist right someone who doesn't really like their work and sees ways to improve it and yeah. always working to improve it so that's so now you have both sides that's really cool so if you're not Illustrating or when you're not creating, mm-hmm. what else do you enjoy doing?
3: Um nowadays, well, before it was, but I still do. Um now I, I go back to the gym and I mostly just like work out. Um sometimes I just you know just go outside and just go to the city.
2: <laughs> yeah. And
3: just you know, sometimes walk and you know enjoyed a little the restaurants and stuff but but mainly I'm mostly a home person so I'm always watching something on Netflix or playing a video game and stuff so to really just get my you know mind cleared and just be like okay but mostly yeah I, I'm mostly a home person but I do try to like go outside and and stuff so and also you know work out and everything yeah
1: What's the most recent um, series or TV series that you've binge watched that you've just escaped I just into? Fin-
3: I just finished watching um, All of Us Are Dead.
1: I just started that last night.
3: I nice. It's so good. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it
2: is. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have it um seen a good like zombie well z- zombie flick or a zombie show for a while ever since I saw Resident Evil welcome to Raccoon City I was just I had a bad taste in my mouth of just like wow this is so <laughs> terrible <laughs> um, When I saw um, this was coming out, I was just like, okay, this is going to be good. And let me tell you this, Korean shows or Korean movies, they Mm -hmm. don't miss. They Mm -hmm. know how to write. And they have Netflix um, electricity on every time. (laughs) 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 They really put their foot into their work.
1: Yeah, that's true.
3: All of us, but, are it was a really good show, and I've I enjoyed I've enjoyed every single moment of it. Um, I've also been watching um, Euphoria, um, okay. and I've also started watching a little bit of um, Skins, the UK version. Um, but yeah, that's that's just really it.
1: That's cool. I mean, I've I've watched one episode of Euphoria mm-hmm. just because my co-host really likes it, and it's just, it's mm-hmm. crazy. That show is crazy. <laughs> Let me tell you, that, that's not how my high school was. <laughs> <laughs> me either. I was like, wow, I didn't get invited to those parties.
3: <laughs> I, it was, I, I I, don't know how, I just it, watch it. It's very funny because when I watch, I'm just like, you know, I, I still have my problems with it. But, you know, at the same time, it's a good show in a way of how, you know, certain things are, you know, talked about and, and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's true
3: you know, definitely watching it, it makes me really not do drugs at all. I'm like, nope. (laughs) But it's also, you know, it's something that is quite needed in today's, you know, generation. But I do feel like, you know, it can be exaggerated a little bit too much.
1: Yeah, I hear you. That's cool, that's cool. Do you think, last question I have for you. So, how do you think your art has um, played other, has, I guess, played a role in other areas of your life?
3: Yes, oh, all the time. Whenever I walk, whenever I watch something, whenever I see something, whenever I'm with a group of people, i am always, it's funny, cause I'm, especially since me, I've, you know, I'm a person who always like, um, seeing like emotions in people and everything mm-hmm. and stuff, I always focus on people just to see how their emotions are and, and everything. And I always be like, hmm, right. I can use that for my
2: uh,
3: <laughs> work <laughs> or the way, you know, c- uh, you know, certain people um, handle themselves or pose or in the train and stuff. I'm always just looking. Um, and I always just be like, Hmm, I can use that for, you know, one of my works and stuff. Right.
2: So right.
3: It's always everywhere, especially when I'm in the city. Sometimes I just take pictures, you know, if, or if I see something of, or in terms of um, like a, a little scene from like f- further into the sea or like the skyline, I would like take pictures and be like, hmm, I can use, hopefully I can use this for, you know, a reference mm-hmm. for another cover. Um, I remember one time I was walking with my mom i saw like a really damaged like car like it was rusted and just like done up right there. right and i had to tell my mom i was like mom stop here <laughs> 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 you you never know <laughs> exactly it, it was very it was it was damaged you know so bad but i was just like i would love to use it for something in terms of just me you know if i had like you know a certain um, scene that I'm drawing that I needed like a, a damaged car and like mm-hmm. I have to draw it and render it and stuff
1: so yeah. Cool so when you draw the next zombie um cover that you're gonna do mm-hmm.
3: <laughs>
2: you're
3: oh, gonna
1: yes. put that car in there. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: And I'm hoping oh. I get like a horror like um cover which is something I would love to do.
2: Oh, um that'd be fun.
3: Yeah I've I'm, I'm very picky with horror but I, I am always intrigued by it so I would, for me zombies and you mm-hmm. know um psychological horror is something that I've always been like interested in and I always wanted to like do more um hopefully do more in like covers and stuff so yeah
1: cool well is there any character that's manifest this out there right now is there any mm-hmm. character that you you like a dream character you want to create a cover for um is there any particular character you say you know what that's who I want to create one for, or is there maybe a new one that you want to create? Okay.
3: At the moment, it's Catwoman.
1: Catwoman, <laughs> right moment. on. Okay.
3: Um, as a kid, I used to draw Catwoman a lot, and I was a very big fan of Catwoman. Um, I used to have a, her comics and everything,
2: mm-hmm. and so.
3: Catwoman would be like probably like one of those covers where I'm just like wow I've you know as a kid I used to like draw her all the time and now I could finally be able to draw her <laughs> <laughs> a publishing you know company so that would be awesome I'm, I'm I hope you know I get to do a Catwoman cover so yeah
1: So if DC, if you're listening, because, you know, all the major studios listen to us here, (laughs) make sure you contact Sway to get him to do your next Catwoman cover, even for, is Catwoman going to be in the new Batman movie? I think so. Yes, she is. So there you go. We need to get Sway here to create a, a variant poster for the movie. That would be actually lovely, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sway, if people wanted to see more of your artwork, is there a website or anywhere where they can go look or can they just find you on Twitter? Is that the best way?
3: Twitter um, is JSwayArt. And on Instagram, it's Sway underscore art. And my art station um, is... Well, you just you basically say Joshua Sway, but you can find it from there. But, yeah.
1: OK, I will link I will put your your links in the bi- in the description mm-hmm. box below. So we'll we'll mm-hmm. have that there. So thank you very much, Sway, for taking some time today to talk to us. And it was great getting to know you a little bit, getting to learn about where your arts come from. And I, I think you're going to be you have a very bright future coming up for you. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you can create. And yeah, thanks again.
3: Thank you.
1: Thank you. So, yeah, once again, we here at X really thank um, Sway for taking some time um, to talk to us about his art, st- his art, his style. And um, just, yeah, he's a really cool guy. And it was really fun talking to him.
0: Yeah. And, and it didn't occur to me until, you know, right now. But what a great way for us to start off Black History Month. Yeah. Um, then to spotlight um, a young Black artist that is, uh, you know, being – finding success within an industry that, um, is very hard to break into and, mm-hmm. uh, history is living and, you know, we're, we're seeing someone that is, um, uh, breaking boundaries and, and, uh, you know, opening up the doors for other people. Um, you know, like I said, the industry is very, hard to get into too so uh, it's great conversation that you have with him and i'm glad that pop cult x is able to put a spotlight on him and we're able to share some of the work i'll be looking out for those variants of course at my local comic books shop Um, (laughs) and so i'll be probably buying many of those uh variants as well so
1: yeah they looked really cool i I mean he shared some of the covers on his twitter feed so and i shared a couple inside the episode so it's really cool
0: I had a really stupid dad joke about variants. Um <laughs> so I saw you know one of my, my friends and and we're talking about someone that has caught COVID now like two or three times. And um so I was mentioning to him like, yeah, like th- we're not it's not comic books where you're not we're like you're not trying to go get all the variants like you do in a comic book. You're not supposed to go get all the variants of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it, to it, was such, them all? <laughs> it was such a nerdy joke like i was embarrassed for myself i'm like i thought it was so funny but then i was like that's the nerdiest joke i could have ever come up with
1: <laughs> depends upon your audience i guess right if you sit yeah. it here I, i'm laughing about it <laughs> yeah so i was just
0: like they're confusing variants you know go get yeah. all the variants for you know Marvel comics, but don't go and get all the damn COVID variants. But anyway,
1: (laughs) I didn't understand variants in the comic book Mm -hmm. industry—not virus variants. I get those, but I didn't until you know I I asked about it. What's the deal with all these variants Mm -hmm. and why? So some people say it's a cash grab by the by the um, publishing houses, right? Mm -hmm. And it kind of is, you know, because they want you to buy two issues of each. Three, four, five-ish, whatever it is, but the way I see it, it's a way for other artists to express the same idea in their own style, yep. and I think that's really cool, giving more artists room to explore um, a character.
0: Yeah, um, I think Marvel is had had been doing or has been doing some cool stuff with their variants, and so mm-hmm. you know, obviously, there's a formula like your main cover is going to be you know, the formula is going to apply to it. There's rules yeah. and guidelines, right? They they have been in the comic industry for a while, so they know what they need to do for a main cover. But then for the variants, you see people are able to be a little bit more creative, um, mm-hmm. you know, come up with different ideas. We've had, you know, like they've done like hip-hop album cover variants that are like the characters are replicating famous CDs or album nice. covers yeah, of yeah, hip-hop yeah, artists. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and and they, they give opportunity to – maybe artists that, that aren't given the main cover the opportunity to make a cover for a, a big book. And so I think it's cool. I mean, there's an artist by the name of Peach Momoko, I think is how you say her name. She's a Japanese artist that I've been collecting all the variants that she does. Um, she has a very distinctive style and she's done a lot of variant covers for Marvel. Um, and I picked them all up just because, like I said, the cover in itself is a, is a work of art. And, yeah, and it's in yeah, a style that is is you know not necessarily like what Marvel always puts out, um, and so it's a great opportunity to see you know the cover in a different way. Um, obviously, they are making a lot of money because I'll go out and buy eight different <laughs> issues of the same book, um, but I find I find enjoyment out of it. You know, some other people buy Starbucks coffee. I go and spend you know hundreds of dollars on variants. So you know, it's fine. You know,
1: yeah. got to get all the variants. Like yeah, you said, no, gotta catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> and with that Pokemon reference, we'll sign off for the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I really understand now, I think, more so the power of comics in the art realm because mm-hmm. there are a few artists who I go out and like I bought um, the Hawkeye book or i'm I'm looking into buying iron fist and then all the scarlet witch covers that david aja did because his artwork to me is just wow so like you collecting them now and hopefully i will have them displayed because art needs to be displayed so
0: yeah yeah my 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 uh geek room has definitely been overtaken or overtook by all my comics and photography books i and equally obsessed with photography books and, and comic books, so I have literally everywhere books of all types around, and <laughs> um, it is definitely an obsession. And I, I have to get a better uh, a way to to organize it because uh, it, it's getting out of control. Yeah, so and then especially they- with like the action figures too on the walls, it's it's a lot, but it, it, I, I like it. It, it. it you know it's it's I can't obviously afford you know to buy my favorite art by some of my favorite artists. I'm not going to have like a Coons art installation in my bedroom, um, but I can have, you know, all the comic book issues by my favorite artists. So uh, well, that's what you I can
1: do. put the best way to organize it is to get a box, put everything in there, seal it, write my address on it and then ship it to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. <laughs> and, and, you, know,
1: you don't have to worry about it. I'll take care of the organization for
0: you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, an interesting. Actually thing happened before we set off because I, I thought it was, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. I was at one of our local comic book shops with, with a friend that came down from LA and, um, we were at uh, we were looking at action figures actually, and um, we left. Went to another comic book store. As we're at that comic book store, the manager picks up the phone. The first store got robbed. Someone came oh, in no. and just grabbed a bunch of um, slated comic books that are in like the the mm-hmm. plastic and have been mm-hmm. graded, and, which are you know typically more much more expensive. You know sometimes hundreds of dollars. Yeah, and um, ran out with them. And the manager of the second comic book shop said, you know, oh, I think we saw this suspect, you know, at our our facility, our, our building earlier today. And, you know, I'm listening as I'm like perusing the comic books. I'm like, oh, wow. Like we just missed this like takedown at this comic book store. And I was like, what an odd thing to do. Like who goes and steals comic books? I mean, they are valuable, but like, where are you going to go with an armful of comic books and try mm-hmm. to resell or I don't know exactly. what their end game is. So then we go back to the original comic book store because we decided to buy one of the figs that, that was there. Um, and we're talking to the manager and he's like, yeah, did you like, we just got robbed and we're like, yeah, we were at this other store. We overheard the conversation. As we're there, the cashier gets another call from a third comic book store. That same person goes and robs mm-hmm. them. And so wow. apparently there's, this comic book bandit in San Diego that's out stealing, you know, highly valuable comic books. And, and it's just, it's so sad because with my friend, he he was deciding whether or not to buy this action fig online or, or at the store. And I said, you know what, buy it at the shop because we don't have a lot of small businesses, right? Like we have mm-hmm. to support local businesses, yeah, yeah. especially comic book stores, because there's not a lot of them out there anymore. And a lot of people are, are doing digital formats of comic books. You know, uh, a lot of the comic books in San Diego, the shops have closed. And so I'm like, buy it there, help support it. And he, he did. Uh, but it's so sad to see that someone is like out robbing them. Like that's their livelihood, wow. their store, their, you know, their passion for collecting. And um, so I, I mean, it was kind of a drag to see that there's that. So hopefully that person gets to come up in soon and, and mm-hmm. they get caught and arrested. Um, and But I, I did think that it was funny because I, I told the manager, he said, imagine this guy going into jail with, like, killers and, and convicts. Hey, man, what are you in for? Oh, I stole a whole bunch of comic books. Okay, that's not really going to set you up for success in the penal system, but <laughs> – I don't know. I just thought it was funny. Like, you're gonna have to lie and say you like killed someone, or I don't know. Like, yeah. that's just not. That's not the story you want to tell other crooks or convicts.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think
0: uh, I'm in because I I, I, I sold a, a Spidey comic. <laughs> anyway,
1: Man, I just hope he gets caught. That's no, all I, want. I
0: I really do. Yeah. yeah. I, it just like one. I already hate thieves, but like. A local comic book store, like, come on, like, I mm-hmm. just, yeah. And the poor girl, that the girl that was working is like this, like, five foot four young kid. And, you know, she was kind of freaked out because he ran behind her and grabbed. She didn't know what was going on and just like, really, dude, like.
1: And I think the people that pay the most are the the normal um, consumers, the normal um, people who could now there's going to be a, a either a price bump or there's going to be more precautions in place. They're yeah. just more of a hindrance to us. And as, you know, just uh, civil people who just want to go buy a comic book. Now, you know, everything's going to be behind glass barriers. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's the whole fun of going to a comic book shop, like perusing their comic books, like walking around, like not really knowing what you want, but then maybe mm -hmm. finding like some little gem. Imagine how horrible it will be like behind glass or locked up and you can't open them, you can't touch them, you can't. Yeah, exactly. And and fortunately, I think it's a very – close-knit group of people of nerds that are in San Diego that (laughs) like like I said they were calling each other as it was happening and and kind of warning each other and and I saw it in some of the Facebook groups that I belong to that are are comic book collectors and they're out there like okay this was the description of the person like this is what happened Uh so hopefully they will get caught and, and you know it's just unfortunate, but that was that was like one of the most exciting things that happened this weekend. <laughs> I was I was caught up in the, uh, the comic book roundup, Heist
1: of twenty twenty two. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, right. thank you everyone for tuning in this week, <laughs> for joining us, for hanging out with us. Um, please join us in the conversation in the comment box or on our Twitter or wherever else you find us on social media. We always want to hear from you and, and you know, and let's move this conversation forward with all the topics that we talked about today and, you know, give us your take, give us your two cents and, you know, we appreciate hearing it.
0: Like and subscribe.
1: There you go. Like and subscribe. See you, everyone.
0: Thank you.